online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome. You're listening to Mimi Harker, and this is Mimi Meets. And as with every week, I like to bring you really special guests, people who've made an impact on my life, people who I've met and who I'd love to share with you. And today is absolutely no exception. I met this man some 17, 18 years ago, I think it was, and he runs the most amazing place in Chesham. It's called The Drawing Room, and he is a character. He is well-known because he's a character. He's a great supporter of the local community. He's a great supporter of young talent, and I'm very privileged and very honoured to have you in the studio here today. So please, a very big warm welcome to you, Richard Elkington. Thank you, Mimi Harker. <laughs> It's so lovely to have you. I've been meaning to invite you in for a very long time. Um, and here we are, and we're, we've got an opportunity to talk. So tell us a little bit about the drawing room. Well, the drawing room, uh, what started as a uh, an art gallery 17 years ago, has evolved into, uh, what is it? It's food, music, arts. It's a, a gathering place. It's, uh, a, it's also my home, of course. And... Um, it is, as you say, uh, it's, it's in the community. It's actually right to the side of the high street in Chesham. So it is very much a uh, part of the community. Um, but it is also my home. So it has a kind of very different feel, I think, to um, lots of commercial places. I'd, I would absolutely agree with that, because when you come in, it actually feels like being invited into your home, Indeed which is really nice. <laughs> And, uh, and when you sit in there and you're just enjoying the ambience, because it has a beautiful ambience, it's very peaceful. It's Great very, energy. Mm, I mean, you go in there and you literally, all the worries of the world just slip off your shoulders and you take a deep breath and you can just feel, you, you do feel energised and it peaceful. Was, sorry, yes, it was, it was built for hospitality in 1560. Mm-hmm. Now, hospitality, I believe, is very much... Uh, it's an energy. It's not something. It's a box you can tick, and from that perspective, all of the people who've been involved in offering that hospitality up must have left some sort of footprint around over the last few hundred years. Um, so yes, I'm sure that's what people pick up on. I certainly picked up on it when I first went there. And that's quite an interesting story, actually, because I remember I used to sit on the planning committee in those days, <laughs> and you know what's coming, don't you? I remember your application Mm -hmm. well because it was really unusual. It actually specified in the application that you were going to have um, paintings. It was going to be an art gallery, Mm -hmm. but it was going to be an art gallery that specialised. And I and and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember it said it specialised in nudes, and (laughs) figurative and nude art. Yes, because and of course we were sitting on the planning committee and we just read that as nude (laughs) and it did raise a few eyebrows i will be perfectly honest (laughs) sure i mean i get it needed to get a change of use of the building it Uh had been uh, offices for the last i think 30 years uh there'd been a barber shop in one one of the rooms and um i needed to get it changed to being residential above and 
uh, the business below. So, yes, obviously there was some planning to apply for. Indeed. So well, thank you. It was a pleasure. And I think we were all a little taken aback. And I remember some very lively discussions around, do we want somebody with a gallery that's going to have nude paintings? And I remember saying at one of those meetings, well, we all have bodies. So <laughs> what's the problem? And then following on from that, there was um, a local festival. I can't remember which one it was. I bumped into you there. You had a stall mm -hmm. and you were handing out chocolates, but the chocolates were shaped like nude busts. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've never forgotten. Get attention, yes, absolutely. People it's, are going to remember it, and here we are, seventeen years on, and you absolutely. remember it. <laughs> I've never forgotten it. It was. I remember that chocolate being put into my hand. And I remember going, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> it was a very Jean-Paul Gaultier type chocolate. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. So that's that's so our um, listeners can get an image of what what I'm talking about here. So. <laughs> but yes, it was fantastic. So you started the art gallery 17 years ago, uh -huh. and, and and when you did start the art gallery, it was it was immediately a hit, wasn't it? Well, it certainly got attention, as you uh, rightly pointed out. Um, uh, but the gallery that I'd wanted to create was not going to be one that uh, because it was my home. I wanted people to feel welcome. I don't know if you've ever been into an art gallery where all you're doing is uh, looking, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily with any intention of, uh, of purchasing. Yes, just enjoying. Uh, absolutely. So I, I wanted a place where people, it was all right for people to come and look at the art without them necessarily buying. And so to make people feel comfortable, I wanted to serve tea and coffee. Mm -hmm. But when I put out tea and coffee, people wanted cake. So when I put out cake, people wanted uh, sandwiches. And so I used to cycle up to waiters and buy sandwiches. And little by little, my office um, gave over to the kitchen as we expanded. And uh, as I say, it's now it's kind of a restaurant as much as it is art gallery as it is a music venue. Mm -hmm. And what sort of food do you do? Because I haven't eaten there. It's... Tapas, I would describe it as, but not necessarily spa Spanish. I call it Wapas, which is my, my, <laughs> my made-up name for world tapas. Love it. <laughs> so if I found a particular dish from, say, South America or a sauce that I particularly like, then that works its way into a dish. So you've got dishes from all the way around the world. Mm -hmm. I'll have to come and show you my wonderful grandma's recipe for my little baby oh, potatoes. Yep. They go down a treat whenever I make those. And uh -huh. you can serve them hot or cold. Okay. So, mm, better hot, of course, with a nice bit of bread on the side. Sure. So, naan or something like that, lovely. Mm. Yeah, or a bit of pita or something like that, delicious. Because food is my passion. Mm. Food wow. is my absolute passion. It's our fuel. Our fuel for life. It is, isn't it? And I think a lot of people, re you know, I think, mm, yes, people do realise it, but I don't realize, think they realise what a huge passion it can be for some people. And just, for me, it's my wind down. It's For me, it's my, you know, just chill if mm. i'm going to go home and start chopping and throwing wonderful ingredients together to create a meal mm. that is my re relaxation well there's a great book called a prophet uh, by khalil gibran <clears throat> and one of the things he talks of is that when uh with everything we do we should do it with love and um that is why when some food is made with love it feels fills fills a whole hunger rather than half a hunger mm -hmm. and um that's why I think uh, unless food has been prepared like that, you can, you can notice the difference, which is why sort of fast food stuff doesn't necessarily fill. It can fill all the pictures in the world, but yes. it doesn't fill your belly. Yes, indeed. I have cravings for fast food, though. I think if, I, if, I, if weight wasn't an issue, I might be a fast food junkie. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> 
it's just one of those things and you have mm. to be so careful with everything everything in moderation sure everything in moderation so those wonderful burgers maybe once a year not at the drawing room we're vegetarian vegan now are you vegan now well, oh, i didn't know that well i am vegan and vaguely vegan okay um so what does that mean well it means that occasionally i'll have some cheese um or something might have uh, egg in it but for the most part i'm, I'm vegan right but the restaurant itself is, uh, we, we don't serve meat anymore. Um, right. There is some smoked salmon mm-hmm. and some squid, but beyond that, um, it's all, all um, vegetarian or vegan. How lovely. Yeah. And very trendy at the moment. Well, it may appear to be trendy, but that's the way the planet is going, because mm. at the moment we are not able to sustain the amount of uh, food that is required to feed the livestock in order that we then slaughter the livestock and eat indeed so it's uh, it's a thing about the future it's not not just uh, a, a trendy to stay in trend as mm-hmm. it were it's because that's where we will all need to go mm-hmm. it's quite interesting actually because um my daughter is very into health and fitness mm-hmm. and she keeps telling me because of my aches and pains and you know weight problems and all the rest of it she says to me all the time you ought to go plant-based mum mm. and she said it will really do you good but it's making that change because i live with two men my son my husband who wouldn't have they wouldn't even countenance a meal with especially my son mm-hmm. without some sort of you know meat protein in it mm-hmm. so that makes it quite difficult to do um for me and it's it's how you change your mindset having said that because i'm from an indian background mm-hmm. we have a lot of such delicious vegetarian food that mm. we eat um so if i just cooked that all the time i'd be able to stick to it sure i think that um if it, it is a mindset um but it's also something it's a bit like somebody saying that they couldn't give up smoking mm. well guess what people do of course they do so it is. It really is the uh, uh, a, a choice about your own future, mm-hmm. and the reality of it is. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in uh, 1940, when Hitler went into Norway, he took out all of the livestock mm-hmm. to feed to his troops, and heart disease dropped off the scale from about 33 percent down mm-hmm. to under five. And at the end of the war, when livestock returned, it crept all the way back up wow. to 30s. That's how impactful it is upon our diet. Yes, yes. So, and there's more and more evidence and more and more studies being done to sort of say that that is the way to go. Well, they don't need any more studies. There was, there have been studies, there's something called the China study, which uh, must be about 30 or 40 years old. The, the sad thing is that we are lied to, uh, for the most part, by both industry um, about how much meat is actually required and how that meat is required at all within our diet mm-hmm. and if we knew the truth more people would not eat meat mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and you know when, when I first found out this evidence um, I remember actually sending a very um, blunt text to a friend to sort of express just how upset I was that I had been lied to literally all my life. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from milk is absolutely not necessary. Mm-hmm. I have to be uh, frank and say that that's one of Robin's things. He says, I don't understand why we, as adults, have milk in our diet. Mm. He doesn't get it, and I, we don't have a lot of milk at home. I mean, I have almond milk myself. I love mm. it. Mm. Um, and everything I do is with almond milk. And um, But we digress. We digress. <laughs> this could be a whole new subject in itself because mm. it's a very interesting topic. Um, and maybe, yes, maybe you'll come back another day and we can talk about those different aspects mm. um, of, you know, how, how you know, yeah, that would be great. I think that'd be a really good discussion to have, actually. But going back to the drawing room. So I remember David Gardner um, dragging me in there one day and saying, come on in, have a cup of tea. And, uh, and he said, and you can pick up some hot stones as well. Mm. 
Um, so you do all of that. You have that very. This is why I said it has that very holistic approach. Well, it, it wasn't an, intended as, as a, a holistic approach. It was a very basic, practical thing that if you've got cold hands, there's nothing quite as lovely as ha- getting them warm again. Mm. So coming out off a cold street into a place where you're then presented with a hot rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are kind of smooth, large pebbles from beaches from around the world. Uh-huh. And the idea is you can warm up your hands. And the joy for me is watching this look on people's faces as they realize, first of all, in fact, the funny thing is watching them looking bemused when I hand them a stone. Yes. Thinking, what's all this about? (laughs) And then as the heat impacts upon their hand, the smile is just adorable. Yes. I'm smiling, remembering how it how it was for me, because I get very cold hands. I've mm. got Raynaud's on top of my fibromyalgia, so my hands and feet are particularly bad. So. Definitely going to have to go for that uh, <laughs> meat-free diet. That'll your circulation improve immensely. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I see lots of things coming out of this. I'm learning a lot today. Amazing. So with the gallery itself, you've changed it now, so it's quite, it's quite a, a vibrant music venue. Yeah. At the end of the first year, I, I had a party to celebrate having survived a year. And it was so intensely magical that I thought I want to do this again. So I did it uh, the following year, and I think twice the next, and then four times the next. And little by little, um, it got to the point where I thought, I need to make this more of a regular uh, event. And so we did um, gigs on the first and third Saturday of the month, and then first, second, and third. Mm -hmm. And now... Every Saturday. Every Saturday. And I'm still yet to get down there, and I must, because I know friends of mine, Maggie um, and Martin, they come down from quite regularly from well, a bit away. They're not local, local. Sure. And they I've come had down. people coming yeah. from Halifax and Leeds. Yeah. And, I mean, literally all the way across the UK. So uh, it is interesting that it does attract people. And, and I've heard wonderful things about it, and I keep meaning to, but I work most weekends. That's the problem I have. So it's finding that little window of opportunity to actually go and find some me time and do something for me. So, yes, yeah, so one of these days you'll see me there. <laughs> um, you are great at encouraging young people um, to, you know, showcase their talent. This is Wickham Sound. Just heard um, a fabulous song by Will McNichol. Will McNichol. Yes, yeah. indeed. So is he one of the... Is he a youngster that came up through your... Will came to the drawing room, I think, when he was about so 17 or 18. Um, I, I found out about him via a girl from uh, um, Portsmouth, mm-hmm. a girl called Josie, who created something called South Sea Fest. And she told me about a guitarist who could play two guitars simultaneously. And I thought, this I have got to see. Wow. Anyhow, Will McNichol is a fingerstyle guitarist. And at the age of 21, he became anointed as the acoustic guitar player of Great Britain. Wow. And has since gone on to have his music being scored by orchestra. And, in fact, at the moment, he's working on a project uh, called Inatet. Uh, I think I've got the pronunciation right. Uh, forgive me, Will, if that's wrong. However, he's literally... He's followed and recognised by many guitarists around the world. He plays to halls of three to 5,000 people when he goes to China, and he's a highly regarded uh, musician. Wow. Big impact on the drawing room. Mm, amazing. And you discovered him when he was 17? 17, 18, something like that. Yeah, how if, wonderful. Yeah. And he's you getting, have a reputation for that. Uh, well, I think what it is is that I, uh, I, I'm probably so in the middle of um, so much music, I can, th- I can hear those that stand out mm-hmm. and see that those that stand out and that's really what i'm trying to do is to mm-hmm. sort of give them the uh the the leg up as it were or mm-hmm. the opportunity to shine and, and that's the problem isn't it with the industry it's so tough 
It's so hard to get started. Tell me an industry that isn't. Oh, true, but the music one has got to be the worst. It really well, has. anything creative. Mm. It's, there's, it's going to be a tough industry. Um, the thing is, you don't necessarily, to have been a successful musician, you don't necessarily need to be known nationally or internationally. Mm-hmm. You can be a music teacher. You yes. can be somebody who is playing in the pub. They're all musicians. But if you really want to make it your career, then you absolutely have to throw everything behind it and yeah. uh, there is nothing else yeah and that's quite a tough one for today's society where you need to earn a living where you need to you know and i just speak from personal experience my son is so passionate about music but he's it's, it's you've got to get out there and earn a crust it's as simple it, as that yeah and you can't just be good you actually have to be good and you if you're going to make it in a big way you're mm. going to have to have the personality and the ability to write the music and deliver it and be professional at every level so uh yeah and will has all of those things mm-hmm. and bless him he's getting married later this year oh, so how lovely. Uh, and uh, i'm looking forward to being at the wedding how lovely congratulations will featured joe slater on here before um he was he was the choice of another one of my guests who's also a cheshire man so. indeed a, a neighbor of mine uh, i'd introduced him to joe slater and he absolutely uh, fell in love with the music and and the man himself he was i uh, discovered him a few years ago uh, three years ago now he was um doing covers in bars around Liverpool. And I sent him a message saying, uh, who writes your music? And I got this indignant phone call, so saying, he said, uh, I do. I he do, says, yes. I'm a, I'm a singer-songwriter, not a pop star. And I thought, what a very interesting answer. Anyhow, the Tom Bonavit, <laughs> I've watched the guy grow over the last three years. He's been picked up by a music agency called Talent Bank, who have developed him. They put a band around him, included Paul McCartney's lead guitarist, Liam Gallagher's drummer uh john mayer's bass player and his first single lady came out and shot into the charts at number 33 he uh he had his warm-up act uh at the isle of white festival last year with suzanne vega amazing and yeah so he's well and truly on his way and um and he started with you well no i mean he's he started when he was 15 i think his uh, uncle turned up with the drum kit and but you gave him that at the drawing room certainly yes Yes. Um, and he's become a household name in Chesham he's actually spent almost 18 months living with me when he wasn't in Liverpool he was staying with me until he got a flat in uh, London right right so another young talent and you could see all the sparkle there the talent the sparkle the ability you would need to be blind and part deaf not to sort of uh, see it i haven't had the privilege of meeting joe so so for me i'm just looking at the picture that you're painting and trying to make my own picture from that but wow i'm actually going to go and google some of his music and listen to it after this well the 21st of september he should be back at the drawing room okay which is our 17th birthday and uh, i'm hoping that his the the newly formed band will be all around him then Mm -hmm. won't necessarily have uh, liam gallagher's drummer or, or the rest of the gang however um it will certainly be Joe Slater and his music. Is that a ticketed event? They're all, always ticketed events. So could I reserve two tickets now, please? You can certainly do that. <laughs> that would be lovely. If I do it now and put it in the diary, I'll actually manage to treat myself to okay. an evening out for me. So, <laughs> so I will put that in the diary and it's a date. <laughs> Excellent. So what other talent have you nurtured? Well, there have been a whole bunch of kids who have come through over the years and it's a shame that I haven't sort of uh, got, got all day to tell you about them. But, um, I mean, what, one of the most uh, impactful stories was a lad uh, or one of the highest achieving lads so far is a guy called Jack Garrett who um, his mum dropped off a CD for me to listen to and um, called him in uh, gave him a gig he was 15 
And almost for the next six years, he was at the drawing room, not on a permanent basis, but certainly pretty regular. He lived in uh, Little little Chalfont. And uh, for a six-month period of time, I gave him a, a residency so that he supported whoever was headlining. And he learned how to shine. Mm-hmm. He really did. Uh, he got signed at 21. And I think at about 23, 24 years of age, he won a, a Brit Award. Wow. So impressive stuff. It must feel good. I think it's the same for anyone who, um, you know, imagine you're a teacher and you spot a, a child that really has an aptitude for something and you encourage and you help and you're there for them. Uh, yes, it's a joy. Mm, I mean, it's almost like a, it's almost that paternal pride I can feel coming off you because you've 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 spotted the talent, you've helped them, you've given them an opportunity, um, and we all know that you need a platform. Sure, we all need a platform if we're going to sort of if we're going to shine in whatever way it is. Well, I I, I feel fairly awkward about when when sort of. Um, because I'm not doing it. I'm just creating a space. So I, I put myself on the menu as, uh, or any of the paperwork as the caretaker mm-hmm. because that's what I try to do. I keep the place clean and tidy as much as I can and uh, try to look after people. So, um, And if they then do something with the opportunity they've been given, great. And there's a joy in that, sure. Mm-hmm. You're a very modest man, Richard. Love music. Love talk. Love Wickham Sound. Welcome back. You're listening to Mimi Harker. This is Mimi Meets, and my very special guest is Richard Elkington from the drawing room in Chesham. And what an amazing place that is. We've listened to some of the amazing talent that's come out of there, and we've just listened to um, Candy Says. Candy Says. Yes, and it's all musicians who've performed at the drawing room. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was probably one of the most remarkable musicians, and not really undiscovered as yet because she has been discovered but in terms of the recognition that she's achieved it's still it's still on its way this is a girl who's kind of reinvented herself i think three times in her musical career as well as having had two children and um is now scoring music for film there's a a film that's just come out called uh close Uh, came out i think in january it's on netflix and she was asked um could she re-record the um running up that hill, Kate Bush is running up that hill. Mm-hmm. And she had about five days within which to rewrite, rescore, and deliver it back to the producers. And it had to be approved by Kate Bush herself, who approved it. And then they said, oh, could you also write something for the back end of the movie, the for the uh, credits? And she uh, produced a piece of music, which has since, I think in the first few weeks had something like 300,000 hits uh, and became the most shazammed song around the world so um, she's has more music inside her she's now producing and developing musicians as well as has a a, a, a record label called Beanie Tapes where they produce all the music on cassette tapes in wow. Oxford yeah. <laughs> never thought I'd see those again <laughs> indeed yeah, yeah in fact I was talking about this not that long ago because I've misplaced my Walkman my old original right. Walkman yeah and I used to listen to some of my cassette tapes on there and of course now that I don't have that I don't have the ability to listen to any of my cassette tapes anymore so I have no idea where it's gone. One of the funniest things was my son turning up and showing me a Polaroid camera and saying, look what we've just got. <laughs> and I felt kind of somewhat old as I thought, well, we used to use those for real, not yes. just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing, isn't it? I remember the first time my son, as a, as a small child, he must have been about 
three and he looked at an LP that we were playing and he went, oh, that's a huge CD, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the amount of music you could put on that if it was a CD? Oh, wow. can you imagine? Wow. Sure. Yes. An, an eternity of wonderfulness. <laughs> Indeed. I love music. It's a part of your soul, isn't it? It's the language of the soul. It is. And, and drums. I especially have a thing about drums. I yeah, love drums. Vibration. Mm, and I just think when you hear drum music, anything with really strong drums in it, it just gets you going. It just makes you feel alive. You want to check out a girl called Justine Hart, who mm-hmm. um, Heartbeats, I think her, her band mm-hmm. or her organisation is called, and uh, it's all djembe drums. So yeah, if you're into your drumming, check just out Justine it. Hart. I just find it exhilarating. Mm. Um, there's a wonderful group from here in Wickham, they're the um, St Vincent's group, and they, they have uh, steel drums, and they are sensational. Yeah. They are just sensational. I could listen to them all day, every day. And it just, you know, you just feel your soul responding. <laughs> Live music, there is nothing quite like it. Mm, absolutely. Well, the 21st, and we're going to definitely come to your gig on that day. Um, yes, so, so make sure we're down for that one, and we'll, we'll, I'll give you, give you the money for that. So. <laughs> ASAP, so that we're definitely booked in. <laughs> So your background, have you always been sort of involved in music? Not at all, no. Um, I loosely got involved um, during the 80s. My, uh, one of my, uh, a friend of mine wanted to start a, what became a digital uh, production facility in Manchester and they got involved with a band called Happy Mondays before Happy Mondays were anybody. Mm -hmm. And so we had all of the rushes on on them before. This is actually before they got signed to Factory Records. So, yes, apart from having invested in the the industry, I was nothing to do with the industry. Mm -hmm. It all came about pretty much by chance. Amazing. Because you you actually came from an army family. My father was in the army. I was born in Malaysia. Um, came Beautiful to the UK. Country. Oh, stunning. Mm. Um, Gorgeous not, food. Sure. I, as I say, came to the UK in 66. Mm-hmm. And um, where to? I, I had a short service in the army myself, mm-hmm. uh, just three years, and then uh, went into industry, did rather well during the 80s, during the Thatcher years. And then in 1990, pretty much lost everything. And then had 10 years working for other people. So what were you doing in industry? We had a factory. We produced furniture that was used, uh, for example, all of the MFI, Queensway, Habitat, Uh Waterstones. I think I built about the first of 15 or 20 Waterstones shops around the UK. Uh And uh, as I say, in 1990, there was a massive crash and uh, I went with it. Gosh, and that's tough, isn't it, to try and reinvent yourself? It is tough, but you have to have a certain mindset to do it. Life's like that. It mm. will throw you some uh, curved balls, mm. and uh, it's about how you get up and keep going. That's, I agree. That's the, that's the test. I agree. I'm known as Mrs. Bounce Back. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nickname that is used for me because the number of knocks I've taken, and here I am. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It's no, no getting rid of me. <laughs> So then what happened with your life? Well, in just before 9-11, I remember uh, I pulled in the biggest deal of my life and basically my chairman had phoned me to say that he uh, was going to make me redundant because he didn't think I was going to be motivated enough to come and work for him anymore on the amount of money that I would have earned. And I remember sort of thinking, well, what do I, mm. what do I really want to do? And I sat back in my chair and in that moment I knew I wanted an art gallery and I had no idea why I had never run an art gallery, never been involved in a retail space other than fitting them out. So when 
9-11 happened and it basically killed the project in its enormity and we had a small project I still took the redundancy mm-hmm. and um, set up the drawing room Oh, wonderful. And the rest is history. Sure. It has been. It is an experience. It's definitely a wonderful place to go. There's one room in there. I can't remember. We were having a meeting in there. and But it looked like a boudoir. It was all it's satin. Better intent. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. It was all exotic silks and satins and lovely cushions. And yeah. the whole feel of the room was just so... Exotic. Well, a really special guy. Um, uh, uh, there's a shop in Chesham called En Route, and Ali, uh, who very sadly passed away uh, last year, he had a Moroccan tent hire business. Mm-hmm. And he lent me the inside of a Moroccan tent for a period of six months. And then when he needed it back, we then created uh, that that space as you see now. It's lovely. It is, It's really lovely, and it's so different. You sort of go into that room. I remember it was a very serious meeting as well, so I remember turning up with my iPad and my notebook and and looking very formal, and then going into there and thinking, gosh, I just want to kick my shoes off and just curl up into one of those gorgeous, you know, seats and just, just enjoy and just sit back with a, a, you know, a wonderful cup of peppermint tea and just relax, you know. It's exactly what you're meant to do in there. (laughs) It works then. (laughs) I can tell you that much. (laughs) I have a lot of nutritionists who meet there once Mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. A girl called uh, Tracy Harper who brings her team of uh, nutritionists and they described it as being very Mm -hmm. womb-like. I suppose the colour, but the shape and the fact that it's a round table. There's nobody at the head of the table. It's just a space. It is delightful. I love it in there. I really do. So what's the future then? More of the same, um, albeit we are going to be uh, introducing um, CBD oil, which is obviously um, after however many hundreds of years. Yes. It's been, I mean, it's been used for thousands of years as, as a healer, and it's only more recently that uh, it's sort of been recognised for the magnificence that it is. Yes. So we're going to be selling that from the drawing room. And um, there will be more things. Mm-hmm. I know. With the CBD oil, it's something that I've looked into, obviously, because I suffer a lot from pain because of my fibromyalgia condition. Mm. Um, and it was recommended to mm. me to try and find this somewhere. And I did actually go and see my doctor, mm-hmm. uh, only to be told that it was only for emergency cases that it could be prescribed. And that was very, very, very recently. So it's not, is it the same as the, the ones that we hear about in the news? Well, there is only one form of CBD. It's just de- dependent upon how concentrated it is right so um it's it's not going to harm you in any way mm-hmm. um and it will therefore help you where it where it can yes no i'll definitely come and see you for some of that as well <laughs> when you get that started so again more gigs more young people coming through those doors sure um food wise i'm going to come and cook for you one day so you can sample some of my grandmother's wonderful recipes i would love to I would all love made to. up by myself by the way I, i've never been taught to cook uh-huh. i've just done it instinctively by taste um, and palate, so uh-huh. it's it's quite good fun. Oh, gosh, yeah. Never seem to manage to cook the same thing twice. <laughs> <laughs> Robin always says, that was delicious. You'll have to do that again. I'll say, I'll try. <laughs> sure, sure. Do you cook? I do. Um, most of the dishes uh, have been are a kind of creation of the, either the people that I've been working with and or uh, we've kind of designed over the years. So everything from uh, a dish that we call the... Turkish bean salad. Um, there was a girl called Zubi who worked with me many, many years ago. This was a dish that she ate back in Turkey. And so it's still on the menu now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the dishes will continue to uh, emerge over time. Uh, there are obviously lots of fake meat products yes. that you can start to use now in order to get... Do you approve? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to trying that. It's, sure. It sounds good to me. Yeah. That sounds to me like the perfect way that I can actually give up eating real meat and have a substitute instead that isn't too bad. Well, as long as nobody tells them, we could uh, bring your boys over here, your husband, and uh, uh, feed them and not let them, not, 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 left, them, not yeah. let on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> that would be really good, actually. That would be a true test. Sure. Because especially Aaron, he is a real carnivore. Okay. I mean, he, he, and he, and he's got this thing about not eating cold food as well. <laughs> so, not eating cold food? Yeah, see, we okay. eat salads and stuff. Sure. Uh, which I find, well, we all have our quirks, I guess, because mm. in my house we have a lot of salads. Mm. I'm seeing nutritionists at the moment. In fact, she's going to be one of my guests next week. Okay. Um, and uh, she was talking to me about, you know, th this love of vegetables is really handy with the route that she's sending me down, which is also quite plant-based. There's um, something going on at the Bagnall Centre. Are you familiar with the Bagnall Centre? Yes, is indeed. That who, that That's who's coming in next week. Joanna Hill? Yes, I've got Joanna and Brilliant. I've got Holly coming in. Brilliant. I mean, she is an absolute star. Week. Absolute star. She is. Yeah, yes, there she lies is. the future. I agree with you, and there's, I can see many, many things that we're going to be able to work on together. Many, many, many different things. Um, we have sadly come to the end of our hour. Can you believe it? It's flown. It's been a joy. It's been a joy and a pleasure to have you here as my guest. It's been so insightful. It's been such a pleasure to find out more about you and the drawing room and what you do there and this amazing sort of hub, if you like, of talent that you've just nurtured and allowed to sort of just burst out there and sparkle. Well, I think it's amazing that the town has allowed me to do that as well. Um, so it's, it's always a two-way street. It is a lovely town. Yeah, It is a lovely town. town. It's got a big heart. It's a community that you can cut with a knife. Indeed. It's got a huge big heart. And you can see that with the attendance from the community at all the events. Everybody turns out to support everything, which is just so wonderful. So, Richard Elkington, it has been such a pleasure to have you here on Mimi Meets. It's been a joy to find out more about you. Um, I'm going to bore you with some music after we've finished here because uh, I want you to hear some other talented young people, i.e. my son. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I mean, I'd be foolish not to. Sure. <laughs> Thank you very much again for being my guest this week, Richard Elkington. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you out there for listening to the show this week, and I look forward to your company again next week. And you've been listening to Mimi Harker. This is Mimi Meets, and you've been listening on Wickham Sound. You've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound. To find out more, head to wickhamsound.org.uk.